It's Father's Day, right? Yes, dads, hallelujah. It's Father's Day. You know, it, it takes fathers and mothers to create a family. And today I've entitled the message. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what the title is because uh, maybe you'll find it in this little movie clip that I'm going to show you from the movie The Patriot. Uh, how many ever saw the movie The Patriot? Yeah, it, it's, it was captivating. And it's set... Uh, the key player was at one time, prior to the Revolutionary War, uh, a great warrior. Uh, but then when they were going to go to war against uh, Great Britain, uh, of course they asked him because he was like, you know, this phenomenal warrior. And they thought, man, this would be a great guy to help lead the charge. And uh, the opening part of the clip, he shares why he doesn't and, or doesn't want to. And then you see the thing develop and uh, it'll take about three minutes. But I believe today that we as men need to become real patriots of the Bible and do what God's word says. Then war is the only way. It has come to that. I have seven children. My wife is dead. Now who's to care for them if I go to war? Wars are not fought only by childless men. Granted. But mark my words. This war will be fought not on the frontier or on some distant battlefield, but amongst us, among our homes. Our children will learn of it with their own eyes. And the innocent will die with the rest of us. I will not fight. And because I will not fight, I will not cast a vote that will send others to fight in my stead. And your principles. I'm a parent. I haven't got the luxury of principles. Father, do something. Be quiet. Captain? 
Father, do something. That's the title of the message this morning. You saw a couple of things portrayed in that clip. First of all, this great warrior is standing before a gathering to vote if they should go to war. And at one time, he'd been a great, great warrior. But he had what we would all call some leg a legitimate excuse. His wife was dead. But when he sat down, I don't think he was talking about principles about raising his kids, but about the principles that were to be founded to make our country great. But then you saw the two boys sitting with the aunt. The one boy walked out. The other boy wanted to go because they were disappointed that dad wasn't going to enter. And they had never really seen the warrior that he was. And then, of course, we went ahead and the British soldiers are coming out of the cornfield and uh, when he shouted, Father, do something, he runs and tries to tackle the ones that are holding his brother. And the, he is shot. The guy sits on his horse and stupid boy. And then you see all of a sudden something clicked in the warrior. The house was on fire. He runs in, opens his chest, pulls out those armaments that he had used so effectively to be the great warrior that he was prior to this event. And then he held that hatchet. We couldn't show you the rest of the story because it was pretty bloody when he really got turned on. But here's what I want to tell you men today. The house is on fire. Let me explain to you why. If there's anything, and there are a lot of good things about getting older. You know, I'm in the stage of life now, you know, we had our little three-year-old grandson spend the night. He spends a lot of Saturday nights with us. And, or with my wife when I'm traveling, and he, he's just cute little kid. I mean, darling. I mean, and, and if you saw a picture, you wouldn't say I was being overly braggadocious. And then, you know, my other grandson, yesterday, my oldest grandson had his 13th birthday. Now we have a teenage grandson, and, um, and then you go through life, you know, you go to college, and you're, you know, you're graduating high school, and you're, you know, you're sharp, and you get going, and then you get to middle age, and they say, well, you really look okay, you know, for your age. And then when you get to be my age, it's like, well, you look pretty good for as old as you are. <laughs> but through that time, uh, I reflect back, my dad was a... Uh, military, uh, in the military service for 22 years, three months, 15 days, and six hours. That's what he would tell you. And he loved serving his country. But when I was in, going into first grade, he was transferred uh, from uh, the Great Lakes Station in Pennsylvania back to our home area. And while they were settling and, and going to assign him at one of the duty stations around the Great Lakes, we stayed with my grandmother. And so he enrolled us in this, in this country school. And in first grade, there were first, second, and third grade all in the same room. And we would come in in the morning, and uh, there was a Bible on the teacher's desk. A, 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 a real Bible, all right? And we, we said the Pledge of Allegiance to, the, to our flag, and they didn't try to take out the God part. Are you with me? Because remember, America was founded by godly men. In fact, America literally is a church relocation project. There was great... Uh, uh, persecution against the church in Europe. And so they came, and really many, many of the founding fathers and initial people were, were believers. They loved God, and they wanted to come where they could have a country and express God and have a Bible on the teacher's desk. And then we would stand after the, remain standing after the Pledge of Allegiance, and the teacher said, let's have silent prayer. And see, I've lived long enough to see that very thing now being attacked. Are you with me? You see, the house is on fire. And we need to have men rise up 
Maybe not go into a chest and pull out warfare items, but we need to pull out this Bible. And we need to begin to live everything that is said in this Bible right down to this is God said it. And that's good enough for me, right? Amen. So, Father, do something. I, I, I will tell you this, behind every great man, a lot of people will say is a great woman. That can be true, too. But I believe behind every great man is a great man. I'm not slighting my wife, my mom, and the many great women who I've had the privilege to know and be their pastor or, or have influence. And there's been a lot of great women in, in the history of our country. I, I got a little, just a little bit more time. Jim tells me some of you leave at 12. Um, we have guards stationed at the door. So if you try to get out, I'm just kidding you. If you, you, if you want to go, you can go. But uh, I mean, they're great women. I remember when I was pastoring Salt Lake Christian Center, one Mother's Day, we had Dale Evans preach for us, Roy Rogers' wife. I'll never forget going to the airport to pick her up. I can remember her and Roy and Trigger and, and their Jeep and when I was a little boy. And, and she, what, what a great woman. There's, there's the wor and church wouldn't be here today if it weren't for great women praying, paying the price. But I will tell you today, it's time for men to stand up and be men. Men to be everything that God intended them to be. And I thank you for the great men in my life. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, the Apostle Paul said, you have 10,000 instructors, but you do not have many fathers. Now he's talking about, I think, us as fathers, physical fathers, and spiritual fathers. I think if you're a, a, a physical father and you have children like these kids being dedicated here today, I want to tell you what, man, you've got to stand. I'll never forget a few years back when the uh, there was a crisis in Colorado Springs, and a young man walked into uh, that huge church. What's the, I can't even think of the name of it. New Life Church over there. And began to randomly shoot people. And, and actually, one of their armed guards at the church, it was a lady, shot and killed the boy. And I'm, I'm sad to tell you today that many years ago, I dedicated that, that little baby that grew up to be that man that shot those people. His mother was a marvelous Christian. His dad was a physician in town here, very successful. And I, I, I'm not saying it's his dad's fault, but his dad didn't come to church much, wasn't involved much. And I, I don't know if that played a role. All I am telling you this is, man, when you're raising kids, raise them to serve God. Through the number of years, I've, for whatever the reason, I've given most of my finances away, and I don't mind that. The reality is this, though, what makes me a rich man is right now my son is speaking at their second service in, at City Church. My daughter is there coordinating the education. Now she's bossing her mom around, made her stay for an extra round of teaching this morning. But the reality is that's what makes you rich. And it's going to take men to re-engage. Maybe you're like the patriot. Maybe you're an older guy and you, you, you've been in the battles and you say, yeah, I'll let the younger guys do it. But you know what? I want to tell you what, my life has changed. I'm not pastoring anymore, but I still am very busy about the kingdom. And I want to remain busy about the kingdom until the day I die. You can't, you can't retire from being what God wants you to be. We all need to be men who teach. 2 Thessalonians 3.9 from the NASB Bible puts it this way. But in order to offer ourselves a model for you, so you would follow our example. Now, Paul is saying to the church at Thessalonica, 
watch me and do what I do. How many of you could say in every arena of your life as a parent or as a leader, as a spiritual father, you would say, do as I do? What a, a tremendous challenge for the body of Christ. I was raised Lutheran. Not, not to say that all Lutherans aren't Christians. We went to church all the time. We believed it all, but it wasn't in our heart. Then I got saved. But when I was a little boy, and we went to church all the time, that was a mandatory deal in our house. We lived in a little town, northeastern Wisconsin, and on the way to church, there was another Lutheran church that had, had a radio broadcast, <clears throat> and the pastor's name, and I'll never forget, his name was Theophil Boggins. What a great name, Boggins. Yeah, 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 whatever. But he had this voice. He had this voice that was compelling. You know, he, he probably, if he would have missed that calling, could have, do, could have done voiceovers, you know what I mean? He's like that guy that does the, the ads for the Ram trucks. You know, you heard those? Ram trucks, you know what I mean? And uh, we would listen to him. In fact, I often thought when we were going to our church, just up the street from that Lutheran church, I didn't say it, but I thought, why don't we go to his church? Man, he, he, he'd keep me awake. <laughs> but I'll never forget something he said that literally stuck in my young mind at the time. He was preaching about some things that we should do, and he made this statement. He says, do as I say, not as I do. And to me, we've got to lead it. We've got to, we've got to model it. If we're going to say it, let's do it. Can I, can I get a little witness? Come on now. I used to like watching. I'm sad Stuart Scott died. I used to love Sports Center, right? Can I get a witness from the congregation? Booyah! Hello! The word model in this passage comes from the Greek term typus, from which we get the word type, like stamping or pressing a seal or forming an image. It's like in the old days when we had, I remember when we really thought we had a great typewriter, we had what was called a selectric, and it had little balls that you put in with different prints, and you'd press the key, and that little ball would selectively find the alphabetical letter that, and boom, it would just nail that piece of paper. And we need to get our imprint today pressed on, typed on, and men need to lead the way. It's Father's Day today. How many knew that? <laughs> but you know, as you study church calendars, you have a great group here today, but Father's Day traditionally in churches, is not one of the holidays that's the best attended. You know, Christmas, Easter, oh, Mother's Day, man, mom's going to get dad there if she has to drag him across the parking lot and get, are you, she's, he's coming to church. <laughs> Father's Day, well, I'm going to go golfing, honey, I want to sleep in, hug the pillow. You know, and I heard Arnie's there today, we could take it off. Jim will never know because he's not preaching and can't, can't do inventory. <laughs> so to be a model is to make impressions, and impressions matter. Titus 2.7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Now we're going to do something, and I, uh, <laughs> I always joke when I come somewhere to preach, I'll grab someone and say, did you get a good night's rest? And somebody will say yes. In fact, the guy back there told me, not really, the usher wave at me, remember? But I talked to a guy in the first service, I said, I hope you got a good night's rest so you don't fall asleep. 
He says, you better hope I don't, I snore. <laughs> and so hopefully, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you like a mid-level break with about 15 minutes to go. Stand up, would you? And we're going to read some stuff together. All right, you're going to participate in the message. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to talk about what model men do. Are we ready? And I want you to do this with some excitement. And ladies, if your husband needs a deeper stamp, you just give him a nudge and let's go after we're going to, let's look at the first one. Model men honor their wives. Let's try it again. I think I started before most of you. Model men honor their wives. Now, how many of you are here with your wife today? Raise your hand. That's a lot of you. Here, Lee, give her a kiss, would you? None of that forehead stuff. Plant one. Oh, oh you got, you got, you're sick? Okay. Oh, he didn't want the lipstick. It's okay. She looks pretty good. Get some lipstick there. I mean, come on. You know you've been thinking about it anyhow. All right, let's look at this. Model, ready? Model men pay their bills and keep their word. Model men take responsibility. Model men vote their conscience. And let me tell you, a lot of the trouble why America is on fire today, we have put people in office that shouldn't be sitting in office in a country that was founded on biblical principles. They're trying to flip it. Well, man, you study those candidates. I should have probably put on their model men, vote your biblical conscience, not your pocketbook. There's some people you can vote in office or give you more stuff, but you don't take that stuff to heaven with you. Right. Chuck Swindoll said, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Let's go. <clears throat> model men tell the truth. Model men function as examples for the next generation. Model men pay pray for revival. Model men shun pornographic filth. Modern men live it before they say it. Model men model it before they demand it. Can I get another amen today? Amen. amen. Woo! You may be seated. So I'll hurry along so you don't leave. <laughs> Talk first today, it's six things. Now I want to just tell you something here today. I, I see that there's a great event you're advertising that's going to be at uh, 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 Zig, uh, 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 Mountain View Assembly for men. It's great. Go to it. Sign up. In October, uh, Pastor Jim and some of the pastors are going to be participating. In fact, I just gave Jim the book this morning from a, a great man of God named Larry Stockstall. And he wrote a great book entitled The Model Man. Also comes with a video series and it, uh, <clears throat> a workbook. It's phenomenal. And we're going to participate in that together. Man, I would get everything you can because we've got to get men going. Uh, I met Larry a number of years ago in Seoul, Korea at the Full Gospel Church where Pastor David Youngie Cho is the pastor. And I was privileged to serve on that board for many years with Larry. And we've reconnected in the last four or five years. And he's written this book. And man, this guy has a heart for God, a heart for doing it God's way. And uh, in the book he sent me, he put in there, he said, Arnie, let's, 
Let's disciple a million men together. Now, he knows that we together can't do that. But collectively, we can see men become what God intended them to be and to be a model for this world to look at and get America back to the point where it longs and should be based on our founding principles. So basically, uh, you'll be hearing more about that, but I want to just give a little plug for it here. The first thing we're going to look at quickly today is courageous integrity. Psalms 25, 21 says, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Simply, integrity means courage to do the right thing. Most of us know what the right thing is. And sometimes there's ways of shading the truth, right? Now, you know, getting older, I've learned some lessons, and I can't say there weren't some times in my life where I might have shaded the truth. As a pastor, can you believe that? Can't believe it. Well, Jim, you know, hopefully you'll still love me. But when I pastored my first church in a little town called Merrill, Wisconsin, the attendance was 9,502. I took a church with um, three men and eight women. And I, they vote on you in those environments, just like you voted on your pastor. I got 10 yes and one question mark. So I got elected. I learned who the question mark was pretty quickly after that, because she questioned everything I did. But uh, the church grew and prospered. In fact, we were there eight years. And when we left, there was between seven and 800 people attending that church we had built. It was amazing. God did great things. But every once in a while, something will happen where there was this woman. Her name was Joyce. Simonson. I think she's with the Lord now. I'm not sure, but probably is, just strictly from a chronological standpoint. And um, her and her husband, uh, they got along okay, but she had issues. And, man, she would call me all the time, not just at church, but at home. Her timing was impeccable, right in the middle of a taco. I mean, <laughs> uh, or, you know, or uh, other things. And, and, and. You know, you get just tired of it, and everything you told her went in one ear and, and out the other ear. I mean, sometimes she'd call me at 3 in the morning, Pastor, are you up? <laughs> oh, yes, Joyce, I was sitting here waiting for your call. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and, and early on in this thing, when I didn't want to talk to her at home, I would, I would say, Jan, tell her I'm in the bathtub. And I would run down the hall, step into the bathtub. No, I wasn't taking a bath. I had my shoes on. Now, it, I was in the bathtub, but was it really the truth? You know? Finally, I, I did deal with the woman. It was a dangerous thing I did. She called me around, what's, one morning around 3, and her husband worked third shift. She said, Pastor, if you don't do something right now, I'm going to kill myself. And this was after about a year and a half of dealing. I said, okay, Joyce, maybe you ought to. <laughs> I, I didn't hear boom or anything, you know. But you know what she told me later? That was a turning point in her life. Now, I don't recommend that in counseling or anything else. I took a chance. <laughs> but see, here, here's the deal, friends. You got to be a man of your word. You got to tell the truth. Even, and sometimes the truth hurts. Tell the truth. Paying your bills. I would not be ashamed to show you my credit rating. Because I pay my bills. I pay them on time. I wouldn't... I wouldn't be afraid to take my checkbook into your administrator or to your pastor and show them that every time I make a deposit, the first thing I do is give God his 10%. I don't wait until the bills are paid. The first thing I do, that's, that's a principle. We taught that in our, to our kids. Both my kids 
pay God his tithe. Are you with me? You model everything. You model how to treat your wife. You model how to be a citizen. See, that's integrity. And sometimes it takes courage. Sometimes you got to step out of the bathtub and say, Joyce, I'm eating supper. <laughs> Second, I got to hurry along. I got six of these. And I know some of you are, your stomach's already rumbling and you're getting antsy. Uh, sexual purity. Let's look at the scripture of Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And in, the, in, the, in that concept, when the walls of a city were broken down, and when your walls go down when it comes to the area of, of sex, and our whole society is being ruined by this, Back to my, uh, when we got our first TV in 1951, black and white, didn't even have a changer, you know. You had to actually go up and go. You know, you couldn't say pregnant on TV. Did you know that? You couldn't use the word pregnant on TV. Now they show you how to do it on TV. <laughs> it is funny, but it's tragic also. Satan has been using lust and perverted sexuality to wreck men's lives through the ages, and he's turned up the barometer. He's turned up the heat. You see, David stayed home when he should have been in battle and looked out over the porch and saw Bathsheba bathing, and he put together a plan, and it created murder and suicide, and, and, and terrible things happen. Bad stuff. Listen to this. This is a statistic. 50% of married men including Christians, admitting that they were dealing with the problem of pornography. 74% said they would have an affair if they would never get caught. Something is dreadfully wrong. A study by Nielsen showed that 50% of Christian men are addicted to pornography, uh, over, over 50, 51% of pastors admit to being tempted by porn, 40% say they are struggling with it. The news, see, pastors falling morally, say, and it doesn't start with, oh, I think I'll have an affair today, what, what, what do you think? No, it starts with wrong thoughts, it, it starts with watching the wrong stuff. Men, we have got to stand up. We've got to get accountable. I did a small group on this. One of the new guys in the church, he just opened up. He's got a lovely wife. If I told you who, her, who she was, many of you would even know who she was. Beautiful. Hooked on pornography. We prayed with him. He went home and put filters on his computer. One of the guys in that small group, now it's like Alcoholics Anonymous. He has a bad thought he calls. It's out there. We've got to deal with it. And we need fathers who say, you know what? I've been married. I'm going to be married 48 years in September. We got married when we were three. And I, I'm telling you what. <laughs> Hello. But I've been faithful to her. I have not had an affair. Neither has she. And we have stayed by God's principles. And we've raised kids. That's important. Are you there? Third, all eyes are on you. Integrity. And look. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in the world in conduct and love and spirit, faith and purity. So integrity then is what we are 
before God when no one's looking. Purity is having a strong boundaries, guarding our hearts from sexual immorality. Example is how we are perceived by others in our circle of influence. It's like a three-legged stool. I mean, some of you might have one in your kitchen or somewhere. And, you, and if, if, if that stool is missing one leg, I don't care if the other two are the strongest oak you could ever find, you sit on that stool and you relax and you're down. You've got to be having integrity and purity and, 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 and morality so that you can sit strong in the presence of God, in the presence of your family and people at work. Someone say amen. You know how, how simple this is. This was played out to me back in Merrill, Wisconsin, years ago. We would sometimes, after church, go to this little place on the outskirts of Merrill called Club Modern. And I think they still call it Club Modern. It's never been not modern. <laughs> but we went out there and they had this chicken deal that you had, and you walked through the line salad and great chicken. And, and after preaching the services, I sometimes would, I'd, I'd like 7-Up, and I'd get a 7-Up, and they put a twist of lime or something in it and a swizzle stick. And I, I, I want to tell you what, alcohol is a curse in Wisconsin. That little city of 9,502, there were 247 taverns in the city limits. And alcohol is a curse. It still is a curse. I'm not saying you can't have a drink and go to heaven, but I want to tell you what, it's dangerous territory. And I, and I spoke those kinds of things. And, and one time it got back to, because that small town, our church was growing, and, and you know, we were sort of an anomaly to the little town because we almost got 10% of them to come to church. And uh, someone said to one of our members, yeah, your pastor talks like that, but I saw him out at the Club Modern with a drink. See, because they saw the swizzle stick, and they assumed that there was booze in the 7-Up. So the next Sunday when we went out there, the next time we went out there, I said to the person, I said, don't put a swizzle stick in my drink. We got to be models. I want to tell you, your kids will become what you are. You, you know, you've got to watch it. They're watching you. Fourth, there's a pace to this thing. Larry Stocksdale, and I got this from him, calls it the pace of grace. Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the endurance, the race that is set before us. You have to have a pace in your life. You've got to have a pace for your family. You have to have a pace for your work. You have to have a pace for your hobbies. You have. There needs to be a pace. And I, I can talk to you from a pastoral standpoint that I always kept a pace. The church that I pastored, and even as it got very large, that was never going to be the whore that stole me away from my kids. I'm not talking about a sexual thing. You know, your hobbies or your work can prostitute your relationship at home if it's out of balance. Oh, am I talking to somebody today? I th you know what I mean? I don't golf because I'm not good at it, and it takes a lot of time. If you golf, God bless you, but keep, keep things in balance. And uh, we always tried to be there for our kids. And uh, one, one time my son, he, was going to, he went to a Lutheran high school, and uh, he was in some events, and this particular day there was a 3.30 event that I promised him I'd be there, and we were at our, our kids' events. I mean, unless there was some catastrophe we were there and 
And the secretary called that particular day, it was around 1.30 in the afternoon, told me this lady wanted to talk to me, and I knew who she was. And she got on the phone, she said, Pastor, I get off work at about 3 o'clock. My husband and I, we are, are, we're having just terrible times. I've got to talk to you today. Now, the tendency would be, well, okay, have her come in, and I'll skip my boy's deal. Now, I've always, in one way, been a little quick on my feet and quick with my mouth, and it's gotten me in trouble from a few times. But I asked her, I said, let me ask you this question. Did your marriage dissolve today and yesterday? And she said, no, it's been a, been a long process. So then I can't fix it at 3.30. My son has an event that I'm not going to miss. Now, you can set up. I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow, or you can see one of our counselors. You see what I mean? Because showing up and keeping your word with your family. Now, if, 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 if her husband had been killed in a car accident, I would have been there. I'm just telling you, you, you put these things in balance. It's important to have a, a pace in your life. If your life is out of control, get it in control. If you become a burnout dad, so will your family burn out. This is, these are strong words, men. And for those of you that dedicated little ones today, now is the best time to start. And if you've got some regrets, confess them to your family and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. If you're a granddad and you live the other way, you tell your son or your daughter, look, I blew it, and let's change things here. This is what's going to change America. This is what's going to change the church. And I think if we can get thousands of men turned on for God, you won't be able to build buildings fast enough or have enough services to handle the people that will come. Because I want to tell you what, people are looking at you. People want what we have. The world doesn't satisfy. Sex doesn't satisfy. None of that stuff in itself will satisfy. You need to model it so people say, that's how I want to be. Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.